the horned, shadowy figure, July 1st, 1998. I am Watson. I write, I observe. I rarely think. Do you know who I am? Did you recognize me when you passed me on the street? It is my voice that you know. Although you would not recognize me before you at Holmes. That bat figure of literature. I am but the mouse that the bat does prey upon, perhaps. Or am I the mouse in a cage observing the bat catch other mice? It began one foggy evening in Shropshire when Holmes and I were visiting an old war comrade of mine who had fallen to shady ways after the death of his wife. This friend was having unusual attention and pressure put upon him by the local law enforcement who were possibly being pushed to do so by the national security forces themselves. Holmes worked at his usual feverish pace to help our friend by infiltrating the local police force and drawing up a profile of possible blackmailers on the team, who their connections might be, finally coming up with a theory of who my friend's adversary might be. We had a lovely dinner together and joked and laughed for the first time in quite a while. After dinner, Holmes came down with a fever. Soon he had no more power and could barely stand and was forced to retire and to be confined to his bed. After that, my friend and I spent some time talking in the den where he was drinking rapidly. He took more than he should have. I do this every night and even every night I cannot sleep, he confided in me. You are not alone. I told him, for my wife died some time ago, but after a period of mourning, I was able to get on with my life, and I now sleep quite soundly almost every night. He continued, it's not that. Did your wife save your life on as many occasions as mine did? And now that she is gone, I fear that my adversary will most surely be rid of me. Finally, after all this time, and I don't even know him. My friend was despairing. For someone as robust as he was, I did not know who could threaten him so terribly that he needed his dead wife to protect him. I vowed to stay awake as long as I could to keep a kind of watch over my friend, for I owed him my life as well. Unfortunately, the night was like a drug, and I could not fight sleep even as I sipped my tea. I soon succumbed to a bleary sleep. I woke up suddenly sometime later when I sensed a loud thump on the floor just outside my door. I rushed out of the room. The door at first wouldn't open, stopped by a heavy weight, but I pushed hard and it moved aside. There, I found my friend had been slumped against it, a bullet through his brain. Had there been a gunshot? I vowed not to touch the body and ran to Holmes's room. Hopefully, he would be lucid enough to inspect the fresh crime scene. 
I rushed into his room, found him still in bed. He sat upright in a daze, but fully dressed. His clothes were wet with perspiration, and he was smoking his pipe. It almost seemed like he was in one of his cocaine dazes again, for his eyes were insane. But that couldn't have been the case, since he had given up that wretched habit many years ago. I told him what had happened, and he struggled to get out of bed. A brain madness and body weakness seemed to have completely overcome him, for nothing he said was at all comprehensible. I reasoned with him, and he seemed to come to his senses long enough to take a look at the body. I had already called the police, and they were on their way. The room was thick with smoke. Holmes walked over to the body and asked if it had been moved. I told him that I had to move it to get out of my room. He told me that this removed suspicion for myself rather conveniently. Hearing these words, I felt like I'd been hit by lightning. But, of course, he was correct to entertain any possibility, even that I could have been the author of this awful deed. I saw that something was worrying him. He found some tobacco ash, which he smudged with his finger and gave a sniff. He found some white powder on a cuff, which he also smudged. I walked away to get his magnifying glass, as he'd asked me to, and as I was coming back, I saw him pocket something that looked like a needle. By now, the police had arrived, and Holmes was too exhausted to continue. He spent the next day in bed. I could smell smoke coming from his room, the aroma different from the previous night. He asked me to do some investigative work for him, since he was immobile, which I did gladly for my dear friend. On the third day, he came out and began his investigation in earnest. By afternoon, he had found the culprit a local official working in collusion with an associate, attempting at first to frame our friend, then resorting to murder when they knew my friend had discovered their intentions. They protested, of course, but so far, no criminal has ever escaped an accusation from Sherlock Holmes, and they would be no different. Everyone was satisfied with the results, and so was I for a time. But just one week after the event had passed, I found myself one afternoon with too much time on my hands and started thinking about the events of the past days. By evening, my mind was in complete confusion. Had the case really been solved so neatly, so quickly? After further meditation, where I used every technique of ratiocination that I had ever gleaned from the master himself, I was dumbstruck when I realized what I had to do. It could wait no longer. I confronted Holmes, told him at first that I had finally realized that I had been the butt of his jokes all these years, 
that he had been using me as a reliable supporter while he covered up evidence and produced new facts in the cases that he was pretending to work on. That in this particular episode, it was certainly he who had murdered my friend, and perhaps my friend's wife as well. For my unfortunate friend had worked with police as a local drug supplier and involving Holmes in his operations had been his last mistake. Finally able to see past the limitations of my adoration for Holmes, I felt like the shackles had finally fallen off. My years of low self-esteem, envy, and jealousy were coming to an end, for it was my every intention of going straight to the police. My mind was clear as I walked with purpose down the night streets. Suddenly, a shot rang out. I was hit from behind. I hit the ground, dying. Looking behind, the last thing I saw was the silhouette of my killer. A man smoking a pipe, wearing a deerstalker.